This is Deep Dives, and I'm your host, Matt Samuels. And the Instagram post has spoken. Miles Gross has been welcomed back for week two. Miles, uh, you did it. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I really have to thank the listeners, the fans out there that, that really spoke to us. And they said they want more Miles. And, you know, I'm, I got to give the people what they want, Matt. More I, Miles and, and less Matt. <laughs> I am... I am kind of shocked by this i i thought you know it'd be kind of like a you know throw a guy a bone uh no pun intended as we talk about dogs for the hour but uh we you know we we the team here wanted to kind of do do the right thing and 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 put you on air but uh with with the kind of expectation that this would be a one-time thing but this the polls the tweets the texts the messages are that that you were a big hit last week thank you i'm so honored to be here and i'm very speechless which is not very good for a podcast when you got to be talking a lot but i'm going to give it my best shot this is my first time recording a podcast as an interviewer and it's happening so fast you know last week i was the man behind the microphone behind the man behind the back room and and now i'm in the studio and, and being here it's an honor. It really is. And this is a fantastic studio. You did a nice job here. I thank you for that. Uh, it, it What reminds me, I'm trying to think if there's a parallel in sports to your, tra- your what's happened to you over the last two weeks. It's almost like going from, uh, you know, Little League to playing for the Yankees. It has been, just has to be, have you pinched yourself? Is It had to be a whirlwind couple weeks now, you know, going from, you know, really back office here at the studio to in front of the microphone. I mean, no, this this does not happen. I want I want you to know that. I feel like I'm a prodigy of the, of this podcast industry, and, and I don't want to be too narcissistic, but it's happening so fast, and, I, and I'm happy to be here, and I, I feel like this... Something big is happening here, and I feel like right now I'm doing it for nothing with the intention that this, if you really believe in something like our guest coming on does, and you're motivated to do the right thing, in the long run, it's worth it. And it'll give back to you, and that's the reward. I'm not here for the money. Well, you're definitely not here for the money because there is none. It's zero. <laughs> if you're here for the money, you don't know how to count. We got we to gotta work on your math. Um, as you mentioned, our guest is uh, incredibly impressive. Her name is Julie Sinha. She is the founder and uh, and runs a nonprofit named Animal Light- Lighthouse Rescue, which has uh, saved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs in Puerto Rico. And uh, just an incredible story. And and they're doing they're doing just tremendous work. So we are going to talk to her. Speaking of dogs, have you? Had any dogs growing up, Miles? I did. Um, my family had a chocolate labradoodle growing up. Such a cute dog. Uh, Buster was his Buster. name. I wonder, and, wonder how you thought of that one. It was it was a tough one. Um, loved him to death. He actually did die. Uh, he last ten years. A good ten years. Um, but I was happy. I enjoyed it, and I felt like I got a lot of responsibility from that. How about you? They, they say it was. They say man's best friend. Can you speak to that? Oh, best friend. I mean, we did everything together. We ate together, went outside together. We played ball, you know. Hmm. Yeah, he, he, that dog was there for me. I was there for that dog. And have you thought about, your, your, you've grown up, you're older now, you have your own apartment. Have you thought about getting a, um, a, a Buster 
2.0. Oh, no one can replace Buster. He, he was uh, number one in my heart, always will be. But, you know, it's a good question. I, I've been working remotely, and I think it would be cool to get a dog uh, and, and be able to volunteer and help foster a dog. How about you? you did your parents have, let you have anything grow up, like, like a goldfish maybe? I <laughs> we, had, we had birds, frogs, uh, locusts. Uh, sounds like the ten, uh, the, the ten commandments. Um, no, we we had we had a couple dogs. Love uh, loved both those dogs. No longer with us, unfortunately. But there is some, there's nothing like having a a walking ha- being home and just having a dog hang out with you. That's the truth. Um, dogs are the best. They really are the best. And, and are you looking to get another dog? Your parents, I heard, might be. They might around. be. Little Birdie told me that they might uh might be getting a dog in the near future. That's exciting. So. Are you going to go home and, and visit with the dog? Are you going to bring the dog back to the city? Maybe we'll have the dog on the uh as part of the podcast. A couple barks in the beginning would be nice. <laughs> Maybe uh be part of this. You know the gross the gross brothers. Uh, it, it's like the circus here. You never, you never know what what you're gonna get. But um, I think this episode is gonna go so well that you might have to change the name from Deep Dive to the M M&M and M Podcast potentially. Well, Matt, yeah. well, they don't get ahead of yourself. All right, all right. Uh, you want to stick on, stick with me, and and interview uh, Julie. You want to stay around for this interview? That sounds like the plan. All right, we're gonna give you a big chance here. Uh, I hope you don't blow it. Okay. I hope so too, because I want to be back. This is fun. We're going to give you one chance uh, at this. Miles Gross is going to stick around and uh, and be part of this interview with Julie Sinha. And we will be right back after this. And we are back on Deep Dives. And we're joined by our guest, Julie Sinha. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? doing well um we are thrilled to have you on the show and uh looking looking forward to hearing more about you and this incredible organization that you uh that you've created so you know to to get us started why don't you tell us a little bit about your connection to animals um obviously i think i think this probably goes goes pretty far back i would imagine into into your childhood was this were you always a dog lover, animal lover? Yeah. I mean, I always loved animals. I grew up with everything. I have cats, and then my parents let me have a dog, and I brought home uh, stray kittens once. I had bunnies and lizards and a uh, hamster. Um, not all at the same time, but, yeah, I guess I always loved animals. I didn't think I loved animals more than the normal person did but um apparently maybe i do there's <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> and so so growing up was the, the house was always filled with with with, with some something was walking around something oh something, definitely something yeah. making noise <laughs> yeah whether my parents wanted to or not i always brought something home uh for them to take care of which i'm sure they loved <laughs> I bet, I bet. <laughs> How many dogs do you, uh, you have now, or cats or animals in general? Uh, right now in my personal apartment? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a foster dog, which um, I've been fostering. She was returned because um, she was returned to us because she came out, she came back from the vet with, uh, they said they thought she had lymphoma and the adopter couldn't handle that. 
so she returned her to me and I took her in. I've had her for about nine months now and I'm just in love. So I think I'm going to adopt her with my first dog ever. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. And then I have a cat too, who's been with me for 10 years. So just right now, a cat and a dog. I had a foster last week that was adopted as well. Um, but now it's, it's just my pets in in my little New York city apartment. <laughs> I'm sure it's cozy. Yes, <laughs> that, that's a good word for it. So uh, so starting uh, Animal Lighthouse Rescue, where was the you – know, obviously we're going to get into it uh, as as we get more into the interview, but, you know, you, you've gone from now, you know, being someone that had, had animals uh, growing up and obviously a connection and you loved animals, but – now you've taken it to, you know, you founded this organization. Uh, yeah. Was there a moment that led to this, you know, kind of new, new, you know, new beginnings? Or was it kind of just, you know, did something happen specifically? Or, you know, what was the kind of the motivation to get this started? Sure. So um, I... In New York City here, I helped out a little bit, just volunteering here or there to walk foster dogs, but I wasn't very involved in it. I was in celebrity PR working full time, but one of my friends, her family adopted a dog from Puerto Rico and her family's from Puerto Rico. And she was like, why don't we go on vacation? Kind of like spring break. Yay. I was just out of school. Um, And we'll go to Puerto Rico. Maybe we'll volunteer one day at a shelter down there. Um, so we did that. We went to Puerto Rico and I went to the shelter where she got her dog from. And it was just this woman who had over a hundred, 150 dogs, something like that in her house. And it was like a shack of a house and all these dogs lived there, but she didn't have the means to actually take care of them. So, you know, they never got medical care. They lived their lives in cages. Um, it was just, my heart broke. Um, but something that stood out to me were all the dogs were medium to small size, and they were all super, super sweet and friendly. There was not one aggressive dog there. They all just wagged their tails and kissed you if you came over to their uh, crate just craving attention. And so we spent our vacation walking dogs, cleaning kennels, things like that, never thought I would do that on my spring break. But, um, yeah, so – and. Uh, came back to New York and went back to my normal life in New York City, but I just couldn't stop thinking about those dogs living in cages. And here in New York City, people kind of prefer small dogs, small apartments, um, not much. You know, you have to know backyards, things like that. So I was like, what if I bring one dog here? Um, so she sent one dog to me. Um, and Literally, I had 10 people knocking down my door trying to adopt that dog. So I was like, okay, I'll take one more and one more and one more. Um, And, yeah, it just got a little crazy. I was in a studio apartment then and just had a ton of dogs. Um, But it was going great. Uh, People just really wanted to adopt these sweet, sweet dogs that were, you know, great New York City dogs. So, yeah, that's how it started. It was kind of an accident. Yeah, I mean, that's really great, honestly. Um, how many years have you uh, had the organization been running for? So I started doing this probably about 10 years ago-ish. Wow. 
Um, but the organization, I didn't actually get my 501c3 until probably six years ago now. Um, I should probably know that number, but um, I would say it was about six years ago. Um, yeah, at first I never thought I would start an organization. You know, I was just helping out one dog here, one dog there. Um, but it just grew and grew, and I was like, I should probably make this legal. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> we won't tell my, anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got my 501c3 nonprofit. And, yeah, it just it, it went crazy and grew, and so many people helped me along the way. And I couldn't do it without – it really takes a village to save these dogs, so I couldn't do it without all the volunteers that helped me along the way. Right, and I think it really relates to a lot of different industries. And if you really want to get something incredible done, it takes a full team effort. And I don't think many individuals understand that until they put themselves in that situation, which is – really amazing that you've able to, been able to experience that and work with the volunteers day in and day out that you have. Yeah, um, how, how many volunteers do you have uh, with you now? Oh, geez. Um, well, volunteers, I would say like our core group of volunteers are probably about 20 people. Um, but then we have tons of fosters and dog walkers and donors and everything like that. So I would say our like volunteer roster or people that are helping us in any given year is probably about 300. Wow. That's, that's incredible to hear. Um, I, a lot of my friends actually in the past year have really been helping out during fostering and whether it's two weeks to a couple weeks at a, a month at a time and whatever they can and they feel good about it and the organizations are happy to have them. It's just a win-win overall. Um, it, is there any is. Yeah. Such a win to foster a dog. You get to babysit a dog and save its life while, you know, right. <laughs> while having fun with it. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there any way to measure how many dogs you've saved over the course of, of around 10 years now it's been? Yeah, so a lot. As I mentioned, I didn't keep any records in the beginning because I never thought it would be, you know, a thing. I thought I would rescue a couple dogs and that was it. So I didn't keep track for those first like five years. I didn't keep track. Um, but I, it's been thousands since, since 10 years ago, many thousands. And, and in terms, I mean, obviously a, a huge, that's incredible. It's been that many dogs. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's something to be incredibly proud of. Um, in terms of, and a, a big part of this, uh, is is obviously money raising. Um, yeah. You know that's that's what that's what makes the organization run. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know what's that that process been like? Has that been um, any you know the amount of money that you've raised to to date um, with the organization? That's you know obviously a key component here. Yeah. So every dog that we rescue, it costs us about fourteen hundred dollars. Um, from rescue to placing them in their forever home. Um, so we do not charge, of course, $1,400 adoption fees. So how we save these dogs is, is donations. Um, it's so important. We can't save these dogs without it. Um, people think that, you know, uh, these rescue organizations, including mine, um, you know, get free everything, but we don't. Medical care is still extremely expensive. We might get a little discount, but it's not much. Um, so can you, if you can imagine, you know, a street dog that has been living on the street for two or three years in Puerto Rico or even puppies born on the street, they are sick. They, you know, they have parasites. They, they have maybe been hit by a car. 
um, things like that. And the medical care over there, thank, thank God, is a little bit cheaper. So we have all the medical care done there with our great vets. Um, but it still costs a lot of money. And then the airlines, they give us a teeny discount to send them up here, but it's, it's still really, really expensive. So even though most everything we do is volunteer, um, it's a volunteer-run organization. It still costs us about $1,400 per dog. So, hmm. yeah, it's expensive. You need, you need generous people, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Every single dollar that we, what makes us a little bit different than other organizations is that we're volunteer run. So every single dollar that's donated goes to the dogs. So I feel proud saying that I've never taken a dollar. So, um, yeah, so it goes straight to saving these little sweet lives. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, so let's kind of, let's dive into how Animal Lighthouse works. So, Let's go through the process from from kind of from start to finish, from you know identifying the dog to you know in in the new owner's arms. So what's what's kind of the first step um, in in terms on from you know from from where you sit uh, in in the process of you know of of identifying the dog? When where does where yeah. does that start? Sure. So in Puerto Rico, if you go outside of the tourist areas, they are everywhere. Um, low estimates are that there's 250,000 stray dogs on the street there, and Puerto Rico is about the size of Connecticut. Um, so that is a lot of dogs. They're like, you know, here in the park you see squirrels, there you see dogs. Um, so unfortunately, we can't take all of them. Um, I wish we could. Um, we've made a really, really big dent in where our shelter is in Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, our, 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 our shelter in Puerto Rico holds about a hundred dogs, um, at any given time, um, give or take a little bit. Um, and yeah, so, uh, people are begging us to take dogs all day and all night there. And that's the hardest thing is that we don't have space or money to take them in, but we do move a lot. We move them as fast as we can through the process. And so, you know, if, if you go to Puerto Rico with us on one of our rescue trips, you know, we just drive down the street and we're like, okay, this dog get in, that dog get in. You just pick up dogs along the street, which is the weirdest thing ever. Um, but they're all kind of know you're there to help them, and they're all super friendly. Do so, they fight? Do they fight at all when you yeah. try and pick them up? They're all, wow, they're very welcoming to you trying to help them out, which is really great. Yeah, some are scared, but as soon as you feed them, they're like, oh, this is a good person. Um, okay. Yeah. So, to gain their trust. Yeah. There are a few, like, uh, for instance, we cleared out a beach in uh, a town called Arroyo um, in Puerto Rico, and there are there were a few that we had to trap, um, but they turned into the most perfect dogs ever. Um, so it just was that first little initial uh, getting them that was the hard part. But anyway, back to the process of rescuing them. So we bring them in, we put them in quarantine for a little bit, and then they ha they live in our shelter. And the shelter isn't like what you see here in the states. It's um it's different. The runs are all the dogs kind of live together in groups. So there'll be a group of five or a group of ten dogs that live in a big run together. Um, and these dogs love being with other dogs. Um, 
so they have, you know, playmates to play with, they're safe, they have food, they have shelter. Um, and so they stay there for a good amount of time getting healthy. Um, we won't bring any dogs here to New York City that aren't healthy. Um, so they get healthy there. And then when we finally, uh, they're ready to come, we find a foster home here in New York City. In order to bring them here to New York City, we have to have a foster home lined up. So Miles, as you said, that your friends are fostering, that's great because that means we can bring up more dogs because we can't bring them up unless we have the foster home. So we book a flight for them. We normally take, you know, 10 to 20 at a time on a flight, um, as big as 40, 50, 100 sometimes on a single flight, depending how much room they have. Um, and they get here and we meet them whatever time that they get here. Um, it, it's all different times, whether it's three in the morning or noon on a Sunday. Um, it's all different times. And we have volunteers pick them up and drive them to their foster homes um, where they're loved and kind of acclimate to city life. Um, and then we find them great homes and they get adopted, which is incredible. Uh, there is a pretty thorough adoption process because we don't want them to ever be returned. But if it's a loving, safe, good home that's ready for the commitment, um, yeah, we match them with their perfect dog. And and let's talk a little bit more about like the matching process. How how yeah. does that how does that you know, so you so the dogs have been um, you know, under your care in, in Puerto Rico. Um they've been, you know, I'm sure health health screened and you know you've done everything that vaccinated uh, vaccinated yeah so 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 how do you know let's say you know miles here Mm -hmm. did um in in fostering a dog is how does that process work of of matching up uh miles with with one of the dogs how would that work yeah so so people do a couple different ways so we post all of our dogs on um pet finder Um, we're pretty proud to say that we know each dog very, very well because they've been with us for months, if not years, getting healthy. Um, so we know their personality. We know if they're hyper or calm, if they like kids, if they like dogs, if they like cats. Um, so we know what kind of home they would fit into. Um, so either we post them online with that description, um, or if we have referrals, we have people fill out a Um, an application that's pretty thorough asking about their life and what they're looking for in a dog. And we kind of try to match up the perfect dog to the perfect person. Um, So if it's a runner, a dog that would love to run, you know, or if it's a couch potato person, then a couch potato dog. Um, (laughs) We we try to make it as best best of a match as we can, um, because that's the only way that it will be a successful uh, adoption. Sounds like the the dating apps need to start with uh, Pet I mean, maybe in my next life I'll be a master. Right. I'm, I'm I'm seeing the next uh, big business like a like a uh, like a bumble or a hen. Yeah. Like a match, Match.com for for dogs. I have to say it's much easier to match a dog to a person than. Do you get to swipe swipe uh, right and left on the dog? Do you, you get they get a profile and multiple pictures? I like this. There actually is an app that exists that does that, which I think is pretty funny. There's an app for about everything. Yeah, that's right, of course. (laughs) So I'm really curious. Um, I 
been to Mexico and now recently Colombia, and I see uh-huh. stray dogs yeah. um, everywhere you look in yep. these uh, poor countries. How did you pick Puerto Rico and stick to it once you picked it? Yeah, so uh, as I said, I kind of just fell into it. I have no ties to Puerto Rico whatsoever. I'm a white girl from New York, you know, New York, New Jersey. Um, so, uh, yeah, my friend just brought me there and I just fell in love. I fell in love with all the dogs there and they're, they're different. They're, and people think I'm crazy when I say this until they meet them. They're just different types of dogs. Their personality, their look is a little different and they're easy. Um, they're just so sweet and it's so easy to get them adopted because they have such great personalities. I don't know if it's because don't know why their personalities are so great if it's just you know genetics of being mixed on the street or that they grew up knowing like they have to that people are good because they beg for food um and they grow up in puerto rico if you if you drive around the streets there you see lizards and chickens and dogs and cats so if they've been socialized from a very young age that they're just get along with everyone i don't i don't really know what it is or maybe only the sweet ones are rescued. I, I, I can't tell you why, but they're just so, so, so sweet. So that's kind of why I've stuck to it. And I kind of fell in love with Puerto Rico as well. I, I lived there for a good portion of the time of doing rescue. And yeah, I just, I love the island so much. And I wish, um, I wish we could make as big as a, of a dent as possible in this, these, these dogs, dog overpopulation problem there. And where does the overpopulation problem come from? What is what is what's yeah. caused what's caused that? Um, there's a few different factors. I would say back one one the people the financial situation of Puerto Rico isn't great. Um, the the people hardly have money to help themselves, let alone animals. Um, there's just an also there's a I would say a traditional older type of mentality about animals that is changing over time, but um, the animals are outside animals. They're not family, you know, so you buy a dog from a pet store um, and you keep it outside. And when you don't want it anymore, you let them, you let them loose, you know, and um, a kind of machismo society in that, no, I don't want to spay or neuter my dogs. I, I want them to feel, you know, I don't want to, I don't know what, what I can say on your podcast, but I don't want to cut off their balls. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's this uh, kind of mentality that has passed down from generations that spay and neutering is bad. But if you're keeping your dog outside um, and it's not spay or neutered and there's a lot of uh, stray dogs around, they're going to mate and they're going to mate and they're going to mate and they're going to mate. So uh, the population just explodes. Um and we did a, there's a lot of rescuers now in Puerto Rico, and we did a pretty good job of cutting down the numbers of, of the stray population and making a huge dent. Um, but then Hurricane Maria came, um, and everyone fled the island, but they couldn't take their dogs with them. So their only option was to let their dogs go or live in poverty in Puerto Rico. Um, so, yeah, there was everything that we've worked for in the past many years um it just totally it all of a sudden in one week it reversed um there's so many dogs yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, after Hurricane Maria, actually, we we worked. Uh, we did. I, I think it was four flights of many hundreds of dogs reuniting dogs that we found on the street with their families all over the United States, which was an incredible feat by a lot of different organizations coming together. Um, but we got to reunite hundreds of dogs with their owners here in the States that fled Puerto Rico, which is, is mm. pretty incredible. I'm interested. I mean, you, you've had a, a front row seat to Puerto Rico over the last couple of years and you mentioned, you know, obviously the, the, the devastating effects of, of Hurricane Maria. Maybe you could just kind of explain to our listeners who, you know, we've heard about how, how terrible this hurricane was, but, you know, maybe you could just kind of put into paint the picture of just, just, you know, how, how um, the, the, the devastation that, that this, that this hurricane created. Um, I don't even know if I can paint the picture of how <laughs> devastating it was. Um, so, uh, the eye of the hurricane went right over our shelter. Um, it looked like a bomb went off. Uh, all the leaves and branches were stripped from the trees um, and at our shelter and everything surrounding it, the whole town was completely decimated, meaning the buildings were gone. Um, whole structures were just flattened. Um, we found some of our building way, way, way down the street. It was like if you pictured like a bomb or a tornado or something like that, it was the devastation was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, And they didn't have clean water. Um, There were people told us they were eating dog food and cat food because they couldn't get access to any food or any water. Um, and it was like that for, and they didn't have electricity. We didn't get electricity back to the one building that was standing, um, for over a month later. Um, I think, yeah. So, and, and if you can imagine having like a hundred dogs and not having water to not only bathe them in drinking water, but, um, hosing down, you know, dogs, (laughs) dogs, you know, go to the bathroom, not, so hundreds and hundreds of dogs going to the bathroom. So, um, yeah, and not only the dogs are living like that, people. Um, and it, there, it's really still like that. Um, if you drive around Puerto Rico right now, uh, you, you know, we'll go rescue a dog and we'll walk up to the house that the dog is kind of hanging out around because they're probably feeding them. And there's still, you know, a tarp over it, Um no electricity. Um, they're grilling outside on a grill because they don't have a kitchen. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty sad. The people are living pretty in pretty poor state, sad state right now. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard for us to relate. It and is so hard. We only, for we us only to see relate. we only see photos, but if you're not there seeing it or living it through it through it yourself, it's just almost impossible. Um, yeah. So I. I'm so sorry to hear about the operation and everything you built being almost destroyed completely. Did you ever at any point think about moving your operation or starting over somewhere else? Yeah, I never considered moving it from Puerto Rico because those dogs are still there and they still need us. Um, Also, we have some employees in Puerto Rico um, that uh, 
that, you know, they're, were their jobs. Um, so we thought about moving it closer to the airport to cut down on travel for the dogs um, because we're about an hour away from the airport right now. But it was just impossible to do anything at that point. Um, so little by little, you know, our, our amazing uh, volunteers and workers in Puerto Rico, they started rebuilding structures and things like that as, as you know, a temporary spot for these dogs because we still have these dogs, you know, um, right. as we were looking at properties. And it was just, you know, there's nothing really built as a shelter there, so it would have to have work in it. And there was zero lumber in Puerto Rico. Um, so it was just not a possibility to move. Um, at that point, and by the time it was a possibility that, you know, you could pay five times as much for a piece of lumber, um, that uh, they already kind of built a a running shelter out of, you know, what they could find and have over there. And, uh, yeah, and so since then, we've kind of built onto it. It's still only about half of what it was um, before the hurricane, but... Yeah, so we stayed in the same spot um, just because the the people who helped us kind of rebuilt on their own, which was pretty amazing. Mm. And it's in the, the fortitude of, of of the local Puerto Ricans. It's hard to even. I I can't I can't even right? tell you how I you expect me to pick up a nail and a, a hammer. I wouldn't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, children, women, men, everyone just started building. And yeah, and they, they are much more talented, I would say, than I am. <laughs> it goes for us, for certainly us. I mean, that's, <laughs> I wouldn't even know I mean, if my house got blown away. I'd right. probably start, you know, get in the fetal position and, you know. And I know myself, I just moved into an apartment in Manhattan and I, I needed to hang up a uh, a piece of art and a, and a frame, and I was like, I don't know how to do that. I, I was like, who can I call? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Get the doorman. Get the doorman. Yeah. After, after the hurricane, my staff said they hiked up. There, there's kind of mountains around, so there was no water. So they hiked up a mountain and found a stream up there and used, like, piping to pipe water down so they mm. could have some water to shower and to – well, not shower, but like take a bucket and dump it on themselves and, and some drinking water and things like that. And I was just like, I wouldn't even think of that. How did they even know to do that? Yeah. I guess it's it's just kind of like an inner, um, I don't know, some people have a strength that is kind of like inconceivable for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, but um, so, you know, obviously... <laughs> You go from hurricane to to COVID. <laughs> COVID, um, yeah. You know, a one-two punch. Yeah, what a world. You know, obviously, it's you know, COVID's been. You know, we don't have to go into the extent of the nightmare that you know, obviously, that's been for the past year. Why don't you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about your, you know, first, you know, we'll we'll talk second about you know, kind of the effect on fostering, but just in terms of the operations um, that, you know, has that affected uh, COVID affected the way you've been able to, to, to run uh, the organization? Yeah. So when COVID hit, um, we, 
as as with the rest of the world, we didn't know what we were going to do. We had all these animals, but um, no one could come in to take care of them. No one could, you know, everything was shut down. Um, so including airlines, including vets, including everything that, that helped save these dogs. Um, so it was, there was a good month that we were pretty much shut down. Um, that we didn't know what we were doing, what we could do. And I spent that month and, and with my team, my incredible team, uh, just calling the airlines, calling different vets, seeing if, you know, if we drop them outside, could they, a dog outside, could they pick them into their house and, and see them, you know, for the vets down there. Um, just anything we could do. Um, and the biggest thing that didn't open up for I almost a full year where the airline flights to here, um, Puerto Rican flights stopped flying to New York, at least the ones carrying dogs. Um, so, yeah, so we had to find a different way. So we found a different cargo airline that I've never used before that flew the dogs. And we had our first, first flight back in March of, of last year. Um, uh, and they took about 40 of our dogs and uh, we got them to take them on a cargo plane and drive them and fly them to Miami. Then we had a van in Miami, take them and drive them all the way up here to New York City. And that's how we've um, been doing it for the past year. It's a long trip. It's like a two, three day trip for these dogs. And they pass a lot of hands along the way. Um, but we made it happen uh, to get them here and to get them into into homes here. Um, COVID is, was, yeah, a, a real issue of, you know, is it safe for volunteers to come help us? Everything we did, we did outside. Um, we tried to uh, you do the protocols as much as possible, and I think they worked. I never, I never heard of a volunteer getting COVID. Um, but yeah, the the team came together, and we started rescuing dogs really, really fast before anything else opened up. Um, we were there saving dogs, which was pretty, pretty uh, incredible. I think. Yeah, I think it's looking back. I mean, I don't want to business myself at all, um, but I bet it was really tough for a lot of business owners to have to adjust but also protect their employees or for you, your employees and volunteers. And exactly. You're not only protecting them, but you're protecting the dogs. You know, in the beginning, we didn't know if animals could get COVID. I mean, and yeah. there was tons of risk. And it was really great that you were able to persevere and really truly not have to stop um, running your operation. And, I mean, you guys did it for the past year. And a lot of businesses yeah. – in all different industries had to shut down and unfortunately, and it's really great to hear that a nonprofit was able to fight through. And um, so in the past year, I've actually had a lot of friends uh, get, I guess what they call a COVID dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like the thing to do, which is so funny to say, uh, is yeah. to get a dog now. If you, everyone's working from home, all right, yeah. let's get a dog. Let's, and so how has that really affected the demand for your operation now that in the past, it's now been a full year, we're, you know, end of March and during April that I bet a lot of people have been coming, asking for dogs and to talk about how I guess the demand has been so high. And is that, I guess, a good thing for, for your business? It's a great thing. As long as people think about, 
long term. Uh, we have to ask everyone who's who's adopting a dog their long term plans. If they're going back to the office, if their life after you know this this things kind of go back to normal wherever whenever that might be. You know, a dog is a 16 year commitment, uh, maybe even more uh, if you're lucky. Um, so yeah, we have to make sure that everyone is. Uh, really prepared for that responsibility of a, taking care of a little life for that long. Um, but yeah, the, the demand, you're, you're exactly right. So as we were starting to figure out ways to get dogs here last year, we all of a sudden we just, it was like a wave one week, just bombarded with people wanting to help, whether that was volunteer or foster or, uh, as you mentioned, adopt a dog, get a COVID dog. I mean, people are home. Uh, they're they're lonely in quarantine, mm. you know, um, and yeah, it was the perfect time for many, many, many families to get a dog because they had the time and they were home. Uh, so it, in that respect, uh, it's, it's hard to say that anything from COVID was great, but that, that was great that so many people uh, were, were wanting to help these dogs instead of buying one to adopt and, and save these little lives as well. So yeah, it's 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 really everything has gone. It has has exploded in that sense that we have so many fosters and so many doctors um, since, and it's really been amazing. That's awesome, here. It's really funny because Matt actually had a comedian on the podcast the other day, and he was talking about a joke that he wants to use as next stand up. Um, that everyone only talks about the negatives of COVID and how it's affected them negatively. And no one, it's very taboo to talk about the positives, you know, no commuting into work and uh, yeah. not having to see people you don't want to see. And, and for you, it was the best thing, it sounds like, for, for your uh, operation that there was so much demand and these dogs were being helped and volunteers were coming out. And it just seems overall such a positive movement in the past year for you, which is so great to hear. But sounds so unfortunate for those people that unfortunately had a really rough past year. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, previously to COVID, we would like, a dog would be ready to come up, um, be healthy and get the approval from the vet that they can fly. And then we'd put out a plea, please, please foster and radio silence. You know, everyone's at work. Uh, right, right. There's not many people that can help. And now we put out, uh, can please, can you foster? And we get, you know, 50 responses saying, me, wow. please pick me, please pick me for a foster dog. So. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, and and if you think about it, and I don't blame them, you know, if I was home working, a little dog on my lap is is just what I need. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, throughout the past year, and just in the past ten years in general, but I'm just curious more in the past year. Yeah. Did you ever think, or have you gone to? I don't want to call them competitors because they're all trying to, you know, a good thing in the end. Yeah. But um, one of my coworkers works for an organization called Muddy Paws, which yep. I hear is pretty big. And did you ever talk to them about how they run their operations and things that they wish they did differently or things that are going well and how they have, I guess, changed over time to try and just, you know, add to your own uh, business going forward? Yeah. So uh, it's rescue is a very small world. Um, Rachel, who started Muddy Paws, um, came to me to, um, to when she had the idea of starting a new rescue and and was asking if we could kind of combine. So I know Rachel very well from Money Paws. Um, yeah, the rescue world is really small. I always reach out to 
different organizations and work really closely with different organizations. Um, we all have the same goal in mind, um, and we're not doing this for, for profit. So I, in my mind, they're not a competitor at all. Um, right. Yeah, but uh, there are very few resources, so some people may think that because donations, there's only a certain amount of donations, there's a certain amount of doctors. Um, but no, I'm very close with all of the rescue community, and we all try to kind of help each other out. So, That's yeah. great. so you're never like you're never fighting with Rachel for a big donor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nurse, like I can take you up for a better dinner, you know, if you donate to our. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's nice. It's nice to hear. I mean, because there's so much uh, animosity and you know, and backstabbing out there and all between. There but like is. you said. You, you're, you know, in the nonprofit world, at least you would hope, you know, that, you know, you're certainly in it for the right reasons, but you would, you know, you'd hope everyone would, would feel the same way. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I won't lie, when they get a huge donation, I'm very jealous, um, but I'm very happy for them as well when that happens. <laughs> so, so, Julie, so what's next uh, for, for Animal Lighthouse? Where do you see, you know, have do you have any... Any goals for the organization for, you know, five years, ten years? Um, you know, what, what what's in store? Yeah, so that is an interesting question. I've always wanted to grow it even bigger. Every year it has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, um, whether that was my intention or not. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I just – I I – yeah, going like we are and just growing the organization, saving as many dogs as possible. So that's really my whole goal. I mean, we are, as I mentioned, mostly we are a uh, foster-run organization. So everyone else has, including myself, has other jobs. So we're doing this in our spare time. So just to be sustainable, um, having the donor base that we need to to keep this running and save these dogs and and hopefully my goal is for the next couple of years to make the same impact we did before Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and help these 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 little dogs. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if if listeners want to get in touch, um, you know, learn learn more about the organization, maybe even uh, hopefully make make a donation what's what's the best way uh, what's the best way for them to do that yeah so they can go to our website um, alrcares.com so animal lighthouse rescue cares.com um, or Instagram uh, or Facebook uh, we're active on all of them and you can see very cute dog pictures oh and Something I forgot to mention is this year during COVID, we started saving cats as well. We never saved cats before this, um, but there was such, just such a demand for adoption, and we love cats too. So we, we've done a ton of cat adoptions. Um, our director, Grace, is the cat whisperer over there. So, uh, yeah, so if anyone wants to find out more information, see cute cat and dog pictures, yeah, just follow us online, Animal Lighthouse Rescue. Um, and yeah, we'll be sure to link um, the Instagram, the website, everything oh, uh, after the podcast for sure. All our listeners will be able to check it out and hopefully donate or be able to foster now cats as well. I'm yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe <laughs> a dog own, and a cat. 
Miles will not be fostering a dog because he's allergic, but, you know, <laughs> I'm a cat. You can't, I'm, I'm definitely allergic. I didn't tell you this, Julie, actually. I'm, I'm, uh, it runs in the family. My, my mom's very allergic. I'm allergic to cats. Ah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a love-hate. Inside information, Miles and I grew up uh, grew up across the street from each other. So the other yeah. week, I, I drove Miles, and he sat next to my cat in the back seat. So. And I really needed the <laughs> yeah. ride. I, I sat through knowing I could dine that car from that cat. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. <laughs> Man, you, you, must, you must have really needed that ride. Really needed that yeah. ride. Wow. <laughs> COVID's wow. scary. I don't want to get on the train right now. It's like a risk. I haven't been vaccinated yet. I'm one of very few. See, you'd rather you'd rather get an allergic reaction and and maybe break out in hives than uh, to potentially ride a train and, and get COVID. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julie, b- before we we let you go, um, mm-hmm. you have a coffee table book. Yeah. Which is really cool and exciting and I'm going to have to get my hands on a copy. Tell us before before we before we let you go. Tell us a little bit about the book and yeah. how um you know how people want to check it out, buy a copy. How can they do that? Yes. Yeah, so we made we got a incredible donation from Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um they have a new pet insurance coming out. Um, and they gave us the money to make this amazing uh, t- coffee table book. It is very substantial. It's very heavy um, and beautiful. And, um, yeah, a photographer went around to some of our past rescues that are now in their incredible homes in New York City and took pictures of the dogs, beautiful, beautiful pictures and interviewed the families about their experiences and their favorite things about the dogs. And it's just a really nice coffee book table. Um, everyone I know has one now. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's, it's pretty. So, um, yeah, so we're, we sell them on our website. Um, and anyone who wants to, uh, since we got this donation, it, it costs us, you know, it was free for us to make. So the, whatever you buy the coffee book table for is, goes 100% back to the dogs. So oh, that's great to know. Yeah, so you can have a beautiful coffee book table and while donating to the dogs. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's just just a bonus on top of changing changing the life of a um of a, <laughs> of, a, of, a cute, of a cute little dog. One one more reason to uh, to to uh, to reach out to your organization. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you. Really, I appreciate you coming on the show. I personally learned a lot. It's fascinating and beyond impressive what you've been able to achieve and, and build and, and save, you know, countless dogs. So um, I, you. I, you know, keep up the great work and, uh, and uh, it was, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you ever need a dog, you know who to contact. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 uh, we certainly will. Well, I know I'll be working from home for a little longer, so I might be uh, hitting up the website pretty soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, might, you might get a couple orders tonight. We'll see. <laughs> Take care, Julie. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview with Julie Sinha. Deep Dives can be found on Apple Podcasts,
Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Deep Dives.